and welcome to our very first podcast episode. We are so excited to be here today. We will have an episode every other Monday discussing a wide range of topics with various teachers. From best ways to approach college applications to how to cook, we hope to have it all. Today, we will be discussing Black History Month with our very own Mrs. Colombrod. Can you start with just first introducing who you are, what you do at DCS? Of course. So, uh, my name is uh, Miss Cologne Brat, or Miss CB, you're welcome to call me. Um, and I am our Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Um, and what that really means is that part of my, or the main part of my job is to make sure that we create a space where, or a school where everyone feels like they belong, right? And when they feel like they have access to all the school has to offer. Um, and so that means like, uh, making sure that we have lots of mirrors and windows in our curriculum and different perspectives. That might also mean looking at policy and practice to make sure that it is just and equitable. Um, and that also means like supporting teachers in, in being better and more inclusive. Like what is Black History Month? Awesome. So Black History Month is um, in February and it's a month that is dedicated to kind of honoring, celebrating, recognizing the contributions of black Americans in the United States. And there are like lots of cultural or heritage months throughout the year, sometimes like double ones. Um, but uh, Black History Month is, is in February. So do you know who started it and what was the goal in starting this month? Like yeah, sure. Um, it was a, a guy named Carter G. Woodson. And actually it started as just a week. And kind of his take was that um, Black history was is American history, right? That we often do this thing where we sort of sideline kind of different minority groups as opposed to in being inclusive and looking at history from, from multiple perspectives. And that we were sort of missing, right? Not honoring the contributions of black Americans or the stories of black Americans. And so um, he was a historian and he founded this week. And then like in the 70s maybe, let me double check that, I don't really know off the top of my head if it's the 70s it's later um no yeah 75 that president ford um makes this sort of more official into a month so since it's been it's already existed for quite a while actually, yeah do you think black history month has been gaining more traction in the past few years you know i think it's a good question i feel like you know i try to think back to when i was a kid um and we certainly um I remember doing things for Black History Month, and I think that people have come to see this month as an opportunity to have sort of more challenging discussions, not just sort of like review history, but also like engage in conversation about the world today and um, inequity and the experiences of black folk in America and beyond. And so I feel like what's happened in recent years is it's become a more robust conversation less about like knowing figures and facts and more about like talking about the implications. Yeah, I mean, kind of almost building off of that, like talking about different American history, including black history in classes, do you think that sometimes it can be tainted um, by a certain particular writing classroom environment? You mean like black history in particular? And, yeah, black history or also just American history? Yeah, I mean, I think, right, like, I think this is an interesting question because I think we sometimes think of history as, like, 
the things that happened, right? But it's the interpretation of those things that happened, right? And the, a little bit of the sort of the implications of events on other events, right? It's how we tell the story and from whose perspective we tell the story. Um, and so I, I think often about when I first started teaching, I taught this course for sixth grade called like comparative ethnic studies. And it was all American history, but it was American history from various lenses, right? So we talked a lot about um, the contributions of Chinese Americans and talked all about like the railroad, things that like our kids knew the transcontinental railroad was built, but never sort of realized what that meant about like Chinese American contribution to that. So I think that um, to answer your question, I do think that for a long time and in still in many places, right, we get a one slice of history or one perspective. And often that's like a super European, right, centric perspective. We think about like the celebration of Columbus Day as one of those things, right? We for a long time talk about him as this hero and we celebrate him. And meanwhile, like he kicked off a genocide. And if you read his journals, it was like kind of sick, I think, <laughs> right? Like really, yeah. really um, saw a group of people as not human yeah. um, because they were different than anything he'd known. So a lot of American history is painted through the perspective of either those who ended up on top or yeah. white people. So how do you think black history has been portrayed by the media today? Do you think Ooh. that um, has painted black history? Do you think there has black history has been whitewashed at all? Ooh, complex question. So I do think, I think like today, I think it's interesting. I think if we look at the last like two years, right, we've had sort of this like re-energized focus on how to do this and how to do this well. Um, and I do think that there are times in which we still fall back because it's like our, has been like our mode of operating for a long time, right? On this kind of like the story from a white perspective um, and, the, and the story being in some ways validated only from that perspective, right? Like I think about, um, and so we often get the kind of like, we know our basic heroes, right? Like everyone knows the MLK story. We sort of know these big figures um, and we, we um, don't have as deep or complex an understanding of, of movements and, and of black history. I actually think that's what happens. I think it becomes simplified. Um, and some of that I think is because it's like painful and hard and requires like a real hard look at things that maybe people aren't always so willing to do or like feel comfortable doing. Does that answer the question? Yeah. I feel like I could have talked about that question for a long time. Yeah. So I tried to give you a short answer, but I feel like we could we could really we could really go back and forth on that one, Evan. Yeah. So, how do you think that? How exactly do you think that the media um, portrays yeah. that group of people? That's a great question. So I think we get caught a lot in the kind of like victim narrative, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Like think about how you learned black history, for example, or think about the like movies or images that um, stick out to you around black history. It's often like the horror, right? It's often like the ho the hoses and the dogs in the civil rights movement. It's the, right? It's the like the story of black folks as victims. Yeah. And often I think back to your point mm -hmm. of like, and then like some white person came and like saved yeah. them from their victimhood. And so I think that that can that tends to be a real strong narrative, like a thread in 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 media in particular. And again, I think we've gotten a lot better, or at least like we've gotten more aware of that as a narrative. Um, 
And then I think it's like the lone hero. It's like the one person who sacrificed everything to like make a change peacefully because you got to do it peacefully, right? You can't get mad. I think there's all these like messages about what resistance looked like. Um, and I think there's very little portrayals of like black folk living life like everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. Like happily and certain like every like as all humans do everybody's got problems and issues and challenges right and 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 triumphs and i sometimes think we we get stuck in like these flat characters mm-hmm. of, of black folk in particular so what do you think this emphasis on like all of this super negative stuff about like you said exploring these more normalcies or um joys almost like what do you think this does to the, to the perception of black history or black people just in yeah, I think that's a good question. I think it makes, I think it does a couple things. I think it like paints a group of people as like always being victimized, right? It takes away agency. It's like we don't learn about all the ways that like there were all the slave rebellions, for example, right? The ways that like people were um, creative and ingenious and like pushed back and solved problems and like invented things to sort of overcome and and push through i think i think we lose that in that story of a victim and then i think for um for black folk in particular you you also get like a really limited sense of your own history right if you're a student in school and the first time you learn about your people or see your people it's slavery right if like black history starts with slavery we've missed like kingdoms and right we've missed so much um beauty and ingenuity and art and creativity and like strength and and story um and we start with like what they no one existed and then they were slave like right and then there were the enslaved like what the heck there there has to be something before that but we never get that um and i think it just again i think it like it it also limits like the possibilities of of who you can be right um you know, you mentioned kind of when people usually first learn about black history and slavery, yeah. um, which, you know, is a very interesting choice. So how do you think we can integrate different black um, history in younger kids, especially since that's like a sensitive issue for like younger kids to deal with, you know? Yeah. So I think part of it is like going back, like looking at like ancient you know, ancient civilizations looking at, you know, when I, when I, t- I taught in one school and one of my friends who's brilliant and amazing, her whole history curriculum was actually looking at African kingdoms and um, inventions. And it was like the kids, these are things the kids never learned about. Um, and so she was able to give kids sort of a story of people before slavery, right? Um, and I think that that's power. Now, I think that doesn't mean we, like, ignore the hard stuff, right? And I think we can teach that at age-appropriate levels. I mean, here, we start that conversation in third grade is sort of the first story of enslavement that we give here. Um, but it's also one of the early, besides the civil rights movement, one of the earliest times students, that's like, that's also their entry into black history, right? So they're not getting full people in stories. They're, it starts with victims. It also, I think, like triggers, um, and we I hear this all the time from students, right? It triggers this sense of shame for for students who are identified as black, and this sense of guilt for white students, right? Who like feel like they have to be like, I'm sorry about this. It's not my fault, which is like weird because you know there's there's a lot laid in there. But um, I do think it 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 doesn't give kids 
again, kind of a deep, rich understanding. And so like it, it also triggers emotions early that like, you know, you get caught in and then that makes people resistant later on. Um, a while ago, you actually, you brought up happiness. Um, I was just wondering, because uh, a few weeks ago, you gave um, a talk about black joy. Yeah. So how does this, what does this mean to you exactly, black joy? Yeah, so awesome. So, you know, it's funny, we, um, this is the first year where we've tried to do a school-wide theme for Black History Month. And part of that was to get at this thing, was to keep people from telling the same stories, yeah. right? To force all of us to learn more stories, but also to force all of us to see more depth. Um, which I think is working in our lower division in particular. Um, but, you know, for me, it w was like about seeing black folk as human beings who live full lives, who have, who aren't just oppressed, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> who have like joys. And I mean, one of the things, interesting experiences I have over the break was I watched this movie called, um, it's a rated R movie, so I cannot suggest it, but it's called Charm City King, I think. Maybe that's what it's called, which like was about a subculture um, in Baltimore of like this dirt bike riding subculture. What I loved about the movie, I found myself one smiling through most of it because it was like to see a black boy in love. Right. It was like both this sort of thing he wanted to be part of. And certainly there were challenges and there has to be. It's a movie. It's not just going to all. But there was like this beautiful portrayal of a teenager falling in love. And I feel like that's something we don't get to see enough. Just like the joy of being in love. I think we get to see white folks in love a lot, right? Like we get to see joyful stories about that, but we don't often get to see joyful stories and particularly about black boys. I think in, in movies, generally speaking, people of color are always the side characters. Yeah. Even even in movies, I recently watched a movie called The Help, which I thought yes. would be about you know, people's <laughs> servants, but the main character is actually someone who's white. Yeah. And it's about her story, yeah. about she's helping black people. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. How a story about black folks in <laughs> doing uh, servitude, the main character's white. Yeah, <laughs> right. I was really confused about that. I feel like, Evan, I think you bring up such a good point. Like, I feel like what happens is it limits our imagination of what's yeah. possible and what, like, I think, just think it's really limiting. Um, and yeah, I, right, I think about, like, were you all with us when we went to go see the Green Book? Oh, yes. Was that your year? I wait. That's probably a whole other podcast. That movie drove me crazy, <laughs> right? Like it was so problematic, and so and people loved it. But people love a story of like a white person saving. I was like, this is not supposed to be about this guy. Yeah. <laughs> um. And yeah. So anyway, I won't go into that. I won't go into my issues with that movie. But that movie drove me nuts. Yeah, because it got a lot of recognition as this movie like won so many awards. And honestly, I hadn't, like, I do dive into that. I, that's not, not something that I feel like was talked about as much as it's praised. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And that same year, if I'm not mistaken, was the year that Spike Lee was up for what movie? He was up for something. Yeah. Oh, um, the movie about the Klan, uh -huh. which was really good. And I think the Green Book won. And I feel like he got up and walked out. That, I think it was that year. And I think I, I, my assessment, right, like my own personal interpretation of that, of that Green Book winning is because it's a palatable story. It's a story that feels good, right? It's like a white person who got saved by being in proximity to a black person, woo, right? And it felt good. And his movie about the KKK was like, this is messed up. And it, and it, 
And at the end of his movie, which is really hard and really powerful, there are scenes from today. And so that movie, I think, made people uncomfortable, right? It made them have to take a really hard look at what hasn't changed, right? Well, the Green Book, you ended in, like, in theory, lots of, like, right? He was in the dinner. They all got to dinner. It was like, yay, we all are friends. You can tell that I did not like that movie. I think that is a really good point because generally speaking, not many people like to watch depressing yeah. stories. No. So that's yeah. probably why Black Joy is so important because if learning about Black history is always about uh, slavery, people will not want to read more. They will not be interested. Yeah. Black Joy brings yeah. a sense of happiness through yeah. Black history, which yeah. there should be more of. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think it like allows us to say, look, there, no one is without challenges and. Don't get me wrong, there is deep systemic oppression and racism in our country, right? And that and that's real. And we can't like not tell that story. But that can't be our only story, right? There is a danger in that single story, I would argue. Mm-hmm. And you talked a little bit about people tend to avoid these deeply uncomfortable conversations. What are some things people can do to kind of start to have these uncomfortable conversations and like build up to that it's hard Ellery, i think that's a great question right now in fact tomorrow um, we have a book club with parents right um and there's probably like 45 parents as part of this book club across the school and part of why these parents are here is because they want to have the conversation right so i've got i got a willing group um and the other reason they're there is because they want to have that conversation with their kids right and they want to be thoughtful and intentional about what that conversation looks like with their kids Mm -hmm. and so at the very basic I think parents do getting better at having those conversations with kids younger and younger is one way right part of it is practice and comfort and so I actually think opportunities to talk in places with people and in spaces that you feel Mm -hmm. safe to talk and to like step out and take risks right i think what's what's scary sometimes about these kinds of conversations is like no one wants to be labeled racist right no one wants to be thought of by other people as being somehow bad person or somehow as like mean and often it's not intentional it's like ignorance or it's bias that you haven't investigated right or it's like bad history you've been taught (laughs) it's like not I think when people have the opportunity, but, but it's, but it's also sensitive and it also crosses lines and it also can hurt other people in the space. And so there's this like negotiation of, do I say what I really mean or ask the question I really have? Mm-hmm. Cause like so-and-so over there is going to think I'm racist and I don't want to say that out loud. Right. Um, and so I think the thing people can do is to, I think at minimum, like read a book and, or listen yeah. to a podcast or watch a movie and then have a conversation just with like a friend you feel comfortable grappling with something with, right? Mm-hmm. Who you know will hear you and, and like maybe hold you a little bit accountable, maybe push back, but ultimately like loves you and knows that you're trying, right? Like I think the best way out is through. I don't know if you ever heard of that. I think that's true about a lot of things. Like the best way out is through. Mm-hmm. And so it's like slowly engaging in those conversations and spaces that where you feel like you can where you feel like you'll be heard and respected and where you feel like you can take a little bit of a risk. Um, We just did in the middle school a big teach-in. And so a bunch of actually upper schoolers who have been to SDLC helped out, moderate. And we're talking about the N-word, right? 
and that's hard. That's a sensitive conversation. Um, but one, I think we, we try to set it up as like, here we showed some videos of like some famous people having conversations about this and we're making mistakes and like, and like being uncomfortable. And then in small groups, we sort of were like, this is a space to ask questions and be uncomfortable. And no one's going to yell at you or call you, right? right? We're just going to talk about our own experiences. I think that's part of it too, is sort of think talking about our own experiences. Mm-hmm. And kind of, you mentioned like having these conversations in a safe space, like with your family or with a friend. And me and Evan were talking about this a little bit, how we celebrate Black History Month at school with all these celebrations and different events that we have and opportunities. But at least particularly for me, I just don't feel like I talk about it at home, you know? And like maybe, like you were saying, like parents, they don't have this like school environment. So like what's something you could do to like, you know, bring it up with your family? Like maybe watch a movie or something. Yeah, I think I think movies are a great start. Like well, sometimes when parent when kids do something and they get disciplined and parent calls me and it's like, oh my God, what do I do? I often start there, like, watch a movie together. There's so many good ones, right? We don't have to go to the Green Book or the Help. <laughs> There's so many good ones, right? Like, you know, like, The Hate You Give is a good movie and brings up a lot of layers. And, like, just getting the words out and practicing that conversation, you don't have to know everything, but starting there um, is so important. So I think movies with family is a good one. I think with little kids, there are so many amazing picture books. I don't think I have the, I had a pile in my bag, but I left them. Um, there's so many great picture books for little kids that get things started. Um, I think it's just about having, like right now, my son and I were reading um, a book about Muhammad Ali. That's, remember Kwame Alexander? He came to school mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. He, um, he co-wrote a book uh, about Muhammad Ali and it's like part poetry and it's like historical fiction. And so like, Last night we read a chapter in which the the Cassius Clay, the little Muhammad Ali, like wanted water and couldn't go inside of, of the the store because the person was like the cop at the front was like I can't serve you water they'll shut us down like this it's whites only here, you know and so we were able with my six year old to have this conversation like what would it feel like if someone told you you couldn't have a glass of water because of what you looked like and that was a thing that was real at a time and like he was like man that's sad. Right. And that six year old, that was a kind of most of what we were able to get to, really. Right. We but it's the beginning of that conversation. Going back to something you brought up earlier in this discussion about the expectation for black history or even action to be um, peaceful. peaceful. So that kind of almost connects to some of the protests that were happening this mm-hmm summer kind of area, the Black Lives Matter protests and the protests, um, yeah, and uh, some of those happen to be unviolent, people have different perspectives on that, and what, we were just wondering what your perspective was. Yeah, look, I never think violence, I don't condone violence, I'm not like, yes, knock things down, I don't, I don't think that that's okay, and I, I do think that, like, largely, those protests were quite peaceful, right, like, there were, and I think also, peaceful protesters were met with violent responses Mm -hmm. which then engendered greater violence right so like peaceful protests were met by police and riot gear um who were shooting rubber bullets and tear gas at protesters who weren't actually violent so i do think there's like some of it is like media portrayal right we sometimes are like seeing things um 
like maybe we're seeing one or two examples of something and it's being billed as like happening everywhere. And yes, there was violence and I don't condone that. And I do think that like, you know, I saw this great clip. It was super powerful and it was a woman who was um, just like a protester and she, I think, had like, was like being asked this question. Um, and she, it was sort of, she was clearly like very energized and out in the protest. And she had this powerful point, which was like, we have been asking and fighting for rights for a long time, right? And we have, and our people have been, been murdered for just being who they are. It, you are lucky. Her, her point was like, you as a country, Right, are lucky that we haven't been violent. Right, if we decide to to show our the anger that we really feel, we would really destroy this place. But we don't want to do that. And I thought that that was a really interesting. I thought like there and and I'm her words were way more powerful. Like I'm paraphrasing, and I saw this a while ago, but I I just thought it was a really interesting take of like. No, she sort of was like, no, I'm not advocating for violence, but like, you are giving us violence and you're sort of lucky we haven't retaliated in this way. And so, and I think she said something like, so if a couple of your stores get broken windows, like, I'm, I don't care. You know, she was kind of like, people I love have died for this and you've done nothing. So I'm not really worried about your store windows. <laughs> and again, I'm not like saying like that should be the attitude, but I, I think there's some justification yeah. there. Yeah. I, th I can understand that sentiment. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, I participated in quite a few protests that were lovely and peaceful this summer. Yeah. And actually, I felt more nervous about the counter protests screaming at me than I did about my like the group I was in that was like singing songs and holding signs. Right. It was actually the other people who were super aggressive and yeah. like honking horns and yelling at us and like revving engines and pretending to drive at us and so like that to me was like no one here is attempting to yeah. be violent and you're so mad that there's a group of people who want rights that they deserve as humans mm -hmm. that you're willing to sort of be aggressive at us that's fascinating to me so I, I, again I don't condone it I don't think like that should be the way but I understand why and when those moments might happen mm -hmm. and i think there needs to be like legitimate discussion about the violence that peaceful protesters are met with particularly when those protesters are people of color mm -hmm. right yeah okay well thank you so much for all your insight y'all are perspective. awesome Y'all are awesome. Thank you to any listeners. And there's a lot of information about uh, on African American History Month about Gov. And you could, if you want to learn more, that's a great resource. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of GCDS Weekly Wanderings. I really hope you enjoyed this podcast, and if you have any comments, questions, or even suggestions on who you want to see on here, or even if you want to be on here to talk about something you are passionate about, please email gcdspod at gcds.net. Thanks for listening.